Hi, how are you? My name is Elizabeth Dale and I am a Cornish writer and blogger with a slight obsession with telling you the weird and wonderful stories of Cornwall's history. And well, today, well, I'm kind of reluctant to call this like my Halloween edition of um, my podcast. But the fact is, it's October and I have spent the past couple of weeks researching spooky stories, one or two of which I'm going to be publishing on my blog in the next couple of weeks. So I guess you could say that I kind of have ghosts on the brain at the moment. Not that I have ever seen a ghost myself. I would like to, but I guess the closest I've ever come actually is kind of connected to the story that I'm going to tell you today. So I have had sort of strange feelings at certain times, you know, felt that certain places have a bad atmosphere or, you know, that I'm not alone or I'm being watched or something like that. And I think those are feelings that we all get and I've never really deeply considered where they come from. Anyhow, one of the places um, in Cornwall that has given me that strange feeling is when I've been in Pendarvis Woods near Camborne and I used to go walking there a lot uh, often on my own Um, it's a nature reserve and in years gone by dogs were actually banned so it tended to be one of the the quieter places to go for a walk especially during the day and as I say I often went there on my own and it was one of those places where you'd be walking and you'd kind of feel like you needed to just look over your shoulder. So Pendarvis Woods wasn't always a nature reserve, it's actually what's left of the landscaped gardens of Pendarvis House and Pendarvis House itself is is completely uh, vanished. I think there is a stable block left perhaps but the actual house is entirely gone and it was built in the Georgian period and added to and extended over the years by um, the Pendarvis family and then it was completely demolished in 1955. According to the writer Hitchens, the house was, and I quote, erected on a pleasing eminence which commands an extensive view over the western part of the county. The southern front overlooks a large piece of artificial water which considerably adds to the elegance of the whole. Now that large piece of water that he's talking about is almost certainly the boating lake which still remains to this day and it's very overgrown and just looks like a natural lake and is a real haven um, for for birds in the area. You'll always find lots of swans and coots and ducks and stuff there. Now, in the heyday of Pendarvis Estate, the gardens were really extensive and they were obviously beautifully maintained, but you can only sort of get glimpses of that these days. There was apparently um, a sort of cave-like grotto there. There was the earliest known ha-ha in Cornwall and there were numerous of um, trees and shrubs that had been planted by the gardeners. So it was an ideal place for an evening stroll for the Pendarvis family. Now these days, the woods or the grounds, um, they are cared for by Cornwall Wildlife trust but wandering around it is still possible to detect sort of remnants of that old um, that grand past beside the lake the old boating lake there's the remains of the old boathouse sort of this beautiful granite building there is um, an elegant sort of arched bridge um, and gateposts near the entrance. Um, there's this amazing tunnel of rhododendrons, all sort of twisted shapes. And in the woods themselves, you'll find these small 
granite um, foot bridges and then there's also sort of metal railings as well which are out of place in a regular woodland I guess. Now a few years back just because the woodlands interested me I started looking into their history a little bit and that is when I came across a story that I actually posted on my blog a year ago in October 2020 and it's the story of Trifina Pendarvis. So Trifina Pendarvis was actually born Trifina Trist and can we at this point just acknowledge what an amazing name she has and I think it's part of the reason that I became interested in her in the first place because I was like I have never heard of an anyone called Trifina before. Anyway Trifina was born into a really well-to-do family. Her father Brows Trist yes, he's a man really called Browse, was a uh, vicar near Totnes and her her grandfather was also called Browse and he was a member of parliament for many years. So they were a well-to-do, well-connected family. Browse and his wife Agnes had three daughters, Elizabeth, Susanna and Trifina, who was born in 1780. Now the choice of name for his third child um, is fairly unusual, I think you'll have to agree, even at that time. Um, But when I looked into it, it's actually a biblical name of Greek origin and it means dainty or delicate. When her father died in 1791, Tryphena was just 11 years old and she and her two sisters became the co-heiresses of sort of the family fortune and and the family home which was Bowden House which they eventually sold. Now it isn't clear how or when Trifina met her husband-to-be Edward William Wynne Stackhouse Pendarvis. Yeah there's some really good names in this story. Anyway they were married in 1804 when she was 24 years old. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to locate a picture of Trifina, but there is a portrait of her husband um, when he was in his 50s, and that's now in the National Portrait Gallery in London. And he's this very sort of serious looking chap, quite slim, he's got a long face, long nose, almost somehow like bird-like features. And at the time of their marriage, um, Edward was still known by his birth name, which was Edward William Stackhouse. And although he was not particularly a close relation to the Pendarvis family, he was due to inherit the estate because they had run out of, of heirs. They'd run out of the male heir. So as part of the conditions of his inheritance, um, he had to adopt the Pendarvis surname. So yeah, he, he adopted this very long convoluted name and he actually um, inherited the estate in 1819. Now Trifina's new husband was a magistrate and in 1832 he became an MP for West Cornwall and that was a position that he held until his death. 
1851 census gives us this really interesting view into the couple's life and they were pretty comfortable. They had a live-in household that consisted of a butler, two footmen, a groom, a lady's maid for Trifina called Eliza Kneebone. There was a cook, two housemaids and a kitchen maid and there would have been many more staff that were working in the gardens and on the estate itself, which in 1873 covered 3,065 acres. So it was a huge area. And while Trifina and Edward, um, they never had any children, I can imagine that running this enormous estate would have kept Trifina occupied, especially while her husband was away on business in London, perhaps. And Trifina was also involved in quite a lot of charity work. Um, the newspapers note her and Lady Bassett of Tahiti um, working together to raise funds for widows in Camborne. And interestingly, Trifina was also involved in the reconstruction of Carwin and Coit, which um, collapsed in 1842. So, when Edward died in 1853, Trifina took over the running of the house and the estate. And it was a task that she seems to have been really well equipped for. She was described as shrewd and remarkably intelligent, so perhaps not quite that delicate and dainty uh, lady that her name uh, supposedly suggested. And this is about all we know about Trifina Pendarvis until her death. And Trifina um, lived to really good age. She died at the age of 94 in October 1873. And this is really where our story begins. So the Cornish newspapers reported that her funeral was attended by numerous local dignitaries, as you expect, and Lady Pendarvis was apparently laid to rest in the imposing uh, family tomb at Treslothven, I can never say that right, close to Pendarvis house. Now I say apparently um, for reasons that are going to become clear. Since that time, Rumours have been circulating that Trifina Pendarvis does not rest in peace and that her ghost has been seen sort of haunting the graveyard around the Pendarvis tomb and the gardens of the rectory close by and also in Pendarvis woods. If you visit Treslothan Church today, you really, you can't miss the Pendarvis Mausoleum. I mean, it's right beside the church and it's nearly as big as the church itself. I mean, that's a slight exaggeration, but once you'll see it, you'll see what I mean. It's like a chapel unto itself in the graveyard and it's by far and away the grandest memorial in the churchyard. And it was built in 1842 by Trifina's husband, Edward, who employed an architect, George Whitewick, to design and build him a mausoleum. Now, Treslothan um, was a new village on the Pendarvis estate. They'd actually built an entire village to house their workers, complete with a church and its own school. And all of it had been designed by George Whitewick. Now, George was a Plymouth-based architect who was actually responsible for a number of the country houses in Cornwall and also the really elegant Royal Cornwall Polytechnic Society building in Falmouth. And it seems like Edward really wished to have 
a suitably grand final resting place for him and his wife. So Whitewick designed a sizeable granite tomb in a Gothic style. The mausoleum is beautiful. It's got these gabled uh, front end with beautiful sweeping arches and there's uh, diagonal buttresses on, on each corner. And after his death, this was where Edward was laid to rest. And when Trifina died some 20 years later, that was where she was buried too. And of course, it is this simple fact that has caused all these stories and all this confusion. You see, it is said that Trifina Pendarvis's ghost haunts the graveyard at Treslothlan because she was not buried in the family tomb. And she was not buried there, according to the story, because of her misdemeanours. Now, what those misdemeanours were is never elaborated on in any source that I have been able to find. And unfortunately for the ghost hunters out there, the newspapers of the time quite clearly record her body being returned by train to Camborne after she had passed away in Totnes and her remains being laid to rest with her husband. And the other problem is the headstone inside the mausoleum carries an inscription of her name below Edwards and it states that she lies in the same grave. So the question we have to ask is, where does this story of the ghostly uh, Trifina come from? Why would there be the idea of her unhappy spirit roaming the earth? You know, where has this local legend come from? And this is not an old story. Stories of Trifina's ghost persist, you know, right up until modern times. Um, if you go online, you can find um, ghost hunter videos um, that have been recorded in the graveyard in the de dead of night with paranormal investigators trying to make contact with Trifina. And the graveyard is not the only focus for these ghost stories. Um, there have been sightings, as I said, in the woods and at the rectory, which is close by. And one of my old university lecturers, Kim Martindale, actually wrote about it in an essay that she compiled about cycling in inland Cornwall. And Kim explains that a friend of hers visited the rectory to study the architecture, I think. And while they were up in the attic, um, they actually saw someone in the gardens through the window. And they said, you know, did you know that there's a woman in a white dress walking around in your gardens? And apparently the reply was just, oh yes, you know, that's Trifina. And since I actually published this story on my blog a year ago, I've actually been contacted by several people who believe that they have seen and felt strange things, both in the woods and in the churchyard. Um, reports of unexplained lights, um, ghostly figures, something moving around um, inside the church, and also someone else who knew someone that lived in the rectory, and they also reported seeing Trifina's ghost. Now, at the beginning of this podcast, I said to you that the one story that I have um, of something paranormal is actually connected to um, Trifina and to Pendarvis Woods. And it happened about 
two or three years ago and I'd actually been for a walk in the woods not on my own this time but with my partner and we had parked my car out on the road um, there's a sort of little lay-by there which is just at the entrance to the woodlands and it would also have been the old driveway to the old Pendarvis house and we were walking back to the car and as we got to the car my partner just said to me did you see a man and I said no and he explained that as we'd been walking down the driveway towards the car he had looked over to the car and seen a man sitting on the wall beside the car and he kind of made a note of it because you know he's like who's that and why is he sitting by our car and we kind of you have to go through some trees before you come out onto the road and when we came out onto the road the man had vanished had completely gone and there had been a matter of seconds between when he had seen him and when we had gone past the trees and back to the car and it really spooked us out for a minute or two and I can tell you for 100% my other half is not a superstitious person he does not sign up to that kind of stuff at all but it really freaked him out he definitely saw a person sitting there on the wall and when we came out onto the road that person was completely gone and there was no one in sight at all and if there had been a dog walker or someone like that we would have seen them because you can see the road for quite a way in both directions and as I said it was only seconds between him seeing this person and us getting back to the car so yeah spooky so that's the story of Trifina Pendarvis and whether or not you believe in ghosts I think it's important to never discount local stories like this one even if all the evidence points in a different direction as it does with Trifina to be honest but there are other possibilities I think that we we need to think about and are really interesting to consider so I mean could it be that you know despite being buried in the family tomb Trifina's spirit is still restless for some reason yes or perhaps those so-called misdemeanors whatever they were they still haunt her and cause her spirit to to roam um, the earth or is it possible that this shrewd old lady was not not the benevolent employer um, that we are given to believe that she was. Perhaps local people weren't particularly fond of Lady Pendarvis and that, that dislike has become the sort of source of these rumours of a dark side of her personality, you know, of her having a sort of damned soul. And those rumours have then sort of morphed into this story of a, of a curse or, a, you know, a wandering spirit. I don't know I think it's a really interesting thing to consider um, where these these legends these myths these ghost stories come from so I really hope uh, you've enjoyed Trifina's story today um, and I really hope that you have a happy Halloween or whenever you are listening to this I really hope you have a happy day thank you so much for joining me um, I had a little bit of bit of feedback to say that I spoke too too quietly in some episodes so I have made a real effort this time <laughs> to be a bit louder I hope that's okay I hope I haven't gone the other way and you're all going oh my life calm down woman anyway have a really good day thank you so much for joining me 
please leave me a like or a follow or some feedback or subscribe. Please pop over to my blog and have a look at all the stories on there. There's more than 300 blog posts, all stories about weird and wonderful places and people in Cornwall. And until next time, take care and bye-bye.